0: Hi, my name's Hutton, and I'm a geoholic. I don't to the it to without in the
1: see
2: the news Seems like it's been forever. Maybe that's just because uh, Big Shoots was uh, was missing last week. I don't know.
3: Gotta have know. him back. Ka- Carol Baskin tried to feed me to a tiger, but I made it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Carol Baskin, she's just quite a celebrity these days. Oh. Thank, thanks everybody for listening to episode thirty of the Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for Gmax Professionals, also known as the Nolan Ryan episode. Oh no, no, with our guests. He was a Broncos fan, correct? The decision was made prior to receiving the email. Uh, Well,
3: well, I will go with Terrell Davis just to make him feel more at home.
2: That's right. There you go. Mile high salute. Little kiss ass is what that is. (laughs) Don't forget everybody. You can join the Geaholics fan club very easily for every 10 bucks. You donate to the Geaholics GoFundMe account. You receive a Geaholics wristband and have your name mentioned on the next podcast. and, Guess what? We have a new fan club member, Jesse White from Pace Engineering Services in Oregon. Mr. White, not only did he send a very generous donation, which results in him receiving 10 wristbands, but he also sent us a really nice email. I forwarded it to you guys. And he was just very supportive of the podcast. And it came at a really good time because it was like, I don't know, a lot of people are having a lot of shitty days right now. And I was having one, I think it was yesterday. And I got his email and it was just like super, super supportive of the podcast and, you know, how much he enjoys it and everything. And it just, it came at a really good time. I responded and told him thank you and everything. And uh, just really appreciate the the folks that reach out to us. So feel free to do so.
3: Definitely some nice words. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Yep. Thanks again, Jesse, for your all around support. That opening number, of course, is Outlaw In-Laws. Haven't heard from those guys in a while. The name of the tune is Just Another Outlaw. They are Raphael, Corey, and Clint, great live show. They're considered cow punk, and they are still working on a new new record as we speak. Their music is available on Spotify and Apple Music. And of course, you can catch their amazing videos on YouTube. They don't have a Facebook, or I'm sorry, they don't have a website, but they do have a Facebook page where they're extremely active. So check out the uh, Outlaw Law Facebook page for additional details. Love those guys and appreciate them letting us use their music. Shout out to the friends of the program. Thanks for believing in us and for your continued support. You want to take it there, Shoots? Uh, no, you go for it. Oh, you want me to do it? I like you Put you in the spot. Us. All right, Bad Elf GPS. Check out the Bad Elf Flex GNSS receiver. Uh, this thing is in fact a game changer for under five grand. You can get a uh, survey grade RTK receiver. Um, me and my guys are actually going to test one out next week, so I will have a opportunity to use it hands-on and come back with a full report, hopefully. And you can check it out at bad-elf.com forward slash flex.
1: Now
3: that test is going to be uh, pending you guys actually being able to go out and do your jobs instead of being locked in your homes, correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with Land Surveyors United. Since I missed last week with Justin Farrell, I feel I owe it to him. Uh, He created this web-based community of over 17,000 surveyors and geomatic professionals. I went and checked it out again after I went back and listened to the uh, podcast last week after I came back to life. It's got a whole bunch of individual hubs, including one of uh, COVID-19 for educators, organizations, and vendors. It's amazing. Uh, Check it out at landsurveyorsunited.com.
2: And we have Unify Scott Ohana and his team. They have a big announcement coming up. Um, It's my understanding they have a new UAV that they're testing. And I'm not sure of the details, but they're somehow going to wrap that into their processes and try to be like a one-stop UAV shop with processing and everything else. So you can check them out at unify.arrow. I'm going to spell that out because there's two that are very close together dot to find out more.
3: And then we cannot forget, we would be remiss. Parkland College Land Survey Program in Champaign, Illinois. I assume they're doing all online at this point, like everybody else in the world, but Corey Allred and his staff have developed a dynamic program suited for anyone interested in furthering their career as a land survey professional. You can check it out at parkland.edu slash survey.
2: I heard they are actually not allowing alcohol sales in Illinois. What? That's crazy. That Okay,
3: now, now the terrorists have won.
2: Yeah, it's getting bad. It's getting bad. <laughs> uh, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, better known as AGS, they are an authorized Trimble dealer and service center selling new and used equipment. Short, and they also have short and long-term rentals, 24-7 support. You can check them out at agsgps.com. And once again, as a result of COVID-19 and the social distancing requirements, this is another COVID-19 episode, meaning everybody is fully remote. So bear with us. The audio quality may not be the best, but we're doing the best we can. And we're going to try to improve each and every week. So the audio
3: might not be the best, but the
1: content is fantastic.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. With that, let's catch up with the fellas. Uh, Producer Jake, what's up, man?
1: How's it going, guys? Not a not a whole lot to report, but I guess I could just piggyback a little bit off of uh, what kind of what we talked about last week, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a good chunk more this week. Just this is my first full week I think ever working from home. I've never had a position yet in my career to to be able to to work from home. So about four or five days under my belt now. I've been practicing what we were talking about last week: getting up, showering, putting the clothes on like as if you're going to work, not not staying in your pajamas and stuff. So. Everything's going good. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, I feel like the the panic was there for a little bit and it kind of divvied down, but now it's kind of starting to ramp, ramp back up. So especially with the whole shelter in place stuff and going to Arizona. So not a whole lot much to report. Really. I've just been hanging home, watching Netflix, working and just kind of staying hunkered down, get past this thing. So,
2: What's the latest uh, Netflix guilty pleasure since you got through Tiger King?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I could find, if, you, if anyone has any recommendations for anything that's even remotely close to Tiger King, that was awesome. <laughs> Please that's email us. Awesome. But right now the binge uh, is on Ozark season three. So I went back oh, watched yeah. that season one and two and now I'm on season three. So once nice. you fin- finish Tiger King, definitely check out Ozark. You're going to love it. Cool. What about you, Ryan? How have you been? Uh, first of all, I got to jump
3: off of that Tiger King thing and repeat what i've been saying for the last three days of hey all you cool cats and kittens
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that will not leave my head but uh <laughs> that working from home thing i uh, probably would be a whole lot easier without a wife and a child that are working at home as well and the six-year-old is not very patient but we're doing the best of it i've spent way more time on the trampoline and uh basketball hoop in the front yard than I ever have before, so it's it's probably going to be better in the long run, and that getting up and getting dressed is not going well for me. I've adapted this new t-shirt lifestyle that Jake enticed me into, <laughs> but other than that, we're just going to hunker down, and that's all we can do. Taking so it day by day. We're going to keep this going, and I feel good about our guests this evening, and we're going to producing content right every week no no breaks
2: hey we might even go twice a week we'll see
3: so i got nothing else to do every night we, so we, why not
2: <laughs> we got some the, some pretty cool things in the works we'll see what happens
3: exactly what about you kent besides the uh um, the cubs cup
2: i'll be honest with you i'm already going freaking insane already and I, today is technically the first day in arizona that we are officially on on lockdown or whatever i mean my company of course mandated about a week ago that anybody that can work from home should work from home. So I've been doing it for the last week or so, but now it's official. And I don't even have the option of going in the office anymore. So I am stuck in the house going freaking insane. My anxiety is freaking blaring and my ADD is going crazy. And, uh, this is going to be an interesting month. That's for sure. I got to definitely find something else to do and, uh, to occupy my time, except for, I did find this online curling game uh i believe it is freaking addicting and it's to the point now where they are having like online bond spiels every weekend and stuff so you just sign up and you pay like 10 bucks to get in or whatever and um it's pretty amazing it, it's taken on a life of its own much like tiger king has um but uh other tiger than that, king
3: has its whole another level of like it's invaded sports talk radio and everything
2: absolutely yeah i mean it, it's it's Part of uh, society right now. And other than that, I just want to shout out. You know, I don't know if we have very many first responders or healthcare workers listen to us at all, but if you are listening, thank you for everything you're doing. And um, besides that, I had one other thing I wanted to mention. I can't remember what it was now. Typical. Uh, that's about it. Oh, no, what, I, I got to beat my chest on this again. Support local guys. You know, everybody out there, I mean, support your local restaurants and whatever you can possibly do to help these small business owners. Um, I mean, obviously it's affecting small business from a serving perspective, but also, you know, just, just, you know, as, 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 far as the economy goes, I mean, it's, it's a freaking mess. And these small businesses are absolutely struggling right now. If there's anything you can do, please do it. You know, you can still get takeout from your favorite local restaurants and stuff like that in most areas anyways. I'm not sure where it is everywhere, but we still can in Arizona. Um, but if you can, support, support local businesses for sure. With that, let's move on to our safety apparel safety share. Matthew Stansberry and his team, they reinvented safety apparel. Producing the highest quality material and most functional, versatile vest in the safety industry, the safety slash survey industry has ever seen. Check them out at safetyapparel.us. And they, without question, have the best vest on the planet. Best vest. Best vest. Uh, the safety share its kind of a safety share, just kind of, more of a a conversation, I suppose. I don't want to harp on this too long, but right now with all the different states going on lockdowns to different degrees, um, from a survey-specific perspective, the question is, are we essential or are we not essential? And I think the way a lot of these executive orders are written, it is definitely a gray area, uh, Arizona included. Um, The definition of essential, first of all, is absolutely necessary or extremely important now none of us wants to think that our jobs aren't absolutely necessary or extremely important but serving is one of those things you know i mean if we look at ourselves in the mirror we have to ask ourselves you know are we absolutely necessary are we extremely important in a lot of cases yes but not necessarily in every case especially with um you know things being as they are with our current situation in COVID nineteen, of course you can talk about construction. Are we necessary and extremely important for construction? Absolutely. I have heard of cities like Boston, for example, had cut have have stopped all construction projects. And in that case, obviously we don't have a, we don't have a choice. But I think in a lot of cases it's project specific. If the project you are working on is continuing to go on, I have to assume that you would be considered essential in that case if a project is, is, is uh, shut down for some reason can't do anything about that then you look like boundary all to topol surveys are they absolutely essential? you got me I I would say no for the most part but there may be some that are absolutely essential. Um, the bottom line is I mean we have to we have to prioritize really health and safety versus a steady paycheck everybody wants a paycheck everybody's got bills to pay. I heard a statistic like 70, Jake probably knows better, like 75% of citizens in this country live paycheck to paycheck. If that is in fact the case, this is going to decimate people financially and it's going to get really freaking ugly. So you get, people I think get desperate and there's like, no way can I miss a paycheck. You know, I am going to work regardless. But at some point in time, I think you have to look at each situation individually and decide whether or not, it's worth the risk of health and safety to, in fact, get a paycheck and taking the whole am I or am I not essential in mind. So if you are working on a survey crew and you're continuing to work, our guys are for the most part. um, Make sure they're equipped with masks and gloves. And, I mean, we're going so far as, you know, our two-man survey crews are driving in separate vehicles to every job site just to kind of get that social distancing and keep it, you know, within reason. And even when you're on the job site, I mean, just try to be cognizant of, you know, where where you are in relation to other people and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's pretty important.
3: I you guys got? Can, I can sum this up in like one thing. I know this is terrible for radio, but the emoji where you go, hmm, that's the essential or not in my yeah. mind. There's no yes or no answer. There's no. Yeah, som- I know it's definitive thing and everybody's kind of up in the air about it and there's no list. Yes or no.
2: There's not, I mean, no, I mean the one in Arizona, they mentioned like plumbers, electricians, and they say tradesmen, you know, we can talk about surveying, being a trader, a profession all night long, but if I'm looking (laughs) at that line, I am saying survey falls under the tradesman part. Um, So that. That's the interpretation I would have in the case of Arizona. I, know how, I don't know how things are written in other states, but I have seen posts on Facebook and stuff like that. People like, are we essential? Are we not essential? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, There's a lot of good content out there. There's a lot of good smart-ass answers as well. Um, I saw this one guy post something. I, I have it on my phone. I took a picture of it because I thought it was so ridiculous. Let me find it seems it to quick. be
3: breaking down to, like you said, uh, if you need a paycheck, you're essential.
2: If not, eh, it's a little bit Well, more... then everybody's essential, though. So uh, this guy, this guy, what is he, I'm not going to say his name, of course, but uh, he's like, can't get any help. Can't get any help. That is, it wasn't Phil F. Can't get any help okay, that good. is he's willing to, <laughs> to put in real overtime. So I hold the burden of everything on my shoulders. Wish I'd just drop dead and hope insurance can take care of my family better than I can. I mean, where's this mentality come from? I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I,
3: I don't know this person who said it because he didn't tell us. I I, I feel like they're just yeah
2: yeah, I have to pay my bills, period. That comes first. Unless I hopefully drop dead, then maybe insurance will help my family better than me because God knows I'm way underpaid for how much I kill myself. So this is mentality of people out there just blows my mind. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's the same COVID-19 or not. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. But either way, you know, life life has changed as we know it. Who knows what the new normal is going to be? But uh, on this we,
3: uplifting note, let's talk about all the sports world and <laughs> going on as it should be.
2: Nothing to talk about. It's man. Horrible. <laughs> Nothing to talk about. Let's let's move on to something much more interesting, and that is our guest tonight, Eric Salovich. Is that right, Eric?
0: Yeah, that's right. All right, Eric. A,
2: how you doing, man? Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, Absolutely. Uh, to build off your safety share of safety apparel, they're actually doing a giveaway on their Instagram page for a vest. I believe a hundred hmm. bucks. Wow.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but did not I know, know that It might that. enter. the right vest. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a great plug. And I'm sure Matthew will uh, appreciate that. So anybody that's listening, go to the uh, safety apparel instagram page and check that out
0: yeah it's the the party chief survey vest yep that's or the- uh sur- survey all day i guess as they it is,
2: it is the
3: best vest on the planet it is indeed i heard that from somebody like five minutes ago
2: <laughs> it is indeed so eric you were born in uh haverhill Averill. Avril. what is it what is it
0: averil mass is it really <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Haverhill works. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm not going to get right? any of
2: this right then. Is that you... right
3: next to Worcester?
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Haverhill yeah, yeah, yeah. grew up in, is it Hampstead?
0: <laughs> yeah, Hampstead, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah,
2: New Hampshire. All right. You attended the University of New Hampshire Thompson School of Applied Science for surveying and mapping.
0: Yeah, and uh, they're the Wildcats. Oh, are they? They're the Wildcats, yeah. Right yes. on. I decent not even team. have to look it up.
2: Go Cats. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Go Cats.
2: Go Cats. Hobbies include popping manholes, CrossFit, riding his Harley, cutting the lawn, and just doing regular handyman stuff. Kind of a renaissance man. Uh, <laughs> he's a Patriots fan, which is funny because he said his wife's uncle is from Florida, and, of course, that person is a Bucks fan. They now have Tom Brady, so that's going to be interesting this season if it ever happens and you've worked in the survey world for about 10 years currently at tf moran for about a year which has won the best of business award eight years in a row yeah. Cool. Yeah. humble brag humble exactly. brag exactly. and uh, exactly.
0: you actually had the, the bob business awards dinner a couple it, was, it wasn't last week it was the week before and uh you know my wife was supposed to go but her company she's an insurance so it was a they kind of cut all social interaction before everybody else did. Okay. We ended up not going to the dinner and, uh, you know, I guess only like 20 people were there. Just,
2: so is that a, uh, is that a award for the state, for the city? How does that work?
0: Uh, I think it's for the state of New Hampshire. I'm, cool. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I had to sign in and vote, you know, make oh, a yeah. bunch of fake emails, you know, yeah. rig, rig the election.
2: It's kind of a popularity contest.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, we have uh, the same thing here in Arizona.
0: TF Moran, we're a firm of about 60. We have a lot of structural engineers, civil engineers, and there may be like 15 or 20 surveyors. Um, but, you know, our main client is ourselves, So it's kind of different for me because the first mm-hmm. firm I worked at was strictly surveying and mapping. Um, and now I'm working for an engineering firm. So I'm seeing that two-sided sword, I guess.
2: Yep. Always a challenge working directly for engineers, that's for sure. I can tell you from experience.
3: Spoken like a true surveyor. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> so t- let's talk a little bit about your career path. I know you've only been in the profession for about 10 years, so you're super young um, as far as this profession goes. Uh, what? What? How did you become passionate about surveying? Um, I know you mentioned in your bio something about when you were in high school, you uh, you could tell that you were... Well, I guess you didn't know then, but because of your interest in high school, looking back, it's, uh, it makes sense how you became a land surveyor.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I was in all like greenhouse forestry classes in high school. Like liked to be outside. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to a big enough high school where we had like a vocational in our regular high school. So I filled my um, schedule with as many vocational classes as I could. And um, we did an exercise in one of those greenhouse courses where you made a wish list for when you were 30. And it's kind of funny because I turned 30 next month looking back at it now, having this conversation. And on that wish list, I talked about, you know, I want to make X amount. And um, when it was raining, I wanted to be inside. When it was nice out, I wanted to be outside. when I'm older, I want to be in an office, but I want to work outside. And, you know, surveying just popped up as my number one match wow. on this list. You put it into a computer and it spits out some careers. So I was planning on going into the military and you know, had a tough time through school because I'm not a good classroom environment type learner. And um, I applied for the Thompson School, actually got declined. And then um, someone from registration or whatever it is, took my application and read my letter. And, and I wrote about how my, my senior year was pretty tough in high school. And um, they actually wrote me a letter back and accepted me. So uh, hmm. it's kind of a weird story of how I got into uh, things. And then I didn't take college very seriously. Um, I was working roofing and kind of more focusing on that. And it wasn't until I got outside of school that I decided to give surveying a shot. And now I'm hooked, I guess.
2: <laughs> That's the way it seems to go once you... Once it gets in your blood, it's hard to get it out. That's for sure. So what was your first survey job then?
0: My first job was for um, a firm in New Hampshire, Set Survey. They're one of the larger firms in the state, uh, strictly surveying, you know, no engineering. Um, and I started working there under Jack Kaiser. I know this is kind of spilling into another question with the, the mentors. Um, I was really fortunate to have a very strong mentor starting off early on in my career and he was a project manager at the time. But when I first started, he came out and worked with me directly in the field for that first month. And, um, that time alone set me up for success for the long term. Um, Jack is, he specializes in construction survey, you know, uh, as, as built for bolt plates, um, you know, big steel layout, that sort of thing. So I learned you know, high accuracy standards early on and I've been carrying that throughout everything else. Um, yeah, I almost climbed down inside of a structure on like my first week. Hmm. I, dropped, I dropped the field book and down into a catch basin and thankfully we were doing an as-built. And uh, I was down inside the structure. He went back to go get a pick <laughs> to try to fish it out. And I climbed down there and he was screaming at me. It was kind of funny, but I didn't know any better.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So you worked under his guidance and for what was it like the eight or nine years you were there?
0: Yeah, I was there for about eight and a half years. um, And he was my project manager throughout the entire thing. Um, It was good. I mean, there's, it's a firm of about 20 um, surveyors. So there's other project managers. So I did kind of versify and, and work with others and gain you know i like like what you do and how you do this and how you do that and kind of like build your own professional portfolio and how you're going to do things but um you know following in jack's footsteps i'm i'm fairly lucky to to have that early on
2: yep absolutely what um so in your in your 10 year career do you have a like a crown jewel project that you worked on that you like to like to talk about or brag about
0: um we did a lot i and I've done a lot of big municipality jobs. I've done a lot of, um, wastewater management plants, some pretty high accuracy stuff. And I can't, I no one project comes to mind that was like a big success that I love to talk about, but I do have my biggest mistake. And, um, I think that's kind of an interesting one to share where I was in a kayak by myself in a, a shit pond we were allowed to swear on this, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. So I'm out in, in a sewer lagoon, mm. and you're at the bottom of the refusal, and there was, like, three inches of, um, I don't know, muck. Yeah. So you set the rod on it and have to lean the rod down until it got to the bottom and then take your shot and then navigate yourself to the next location. And um, it definitely should have been a three-man crew. And for whatever reason, I was by myself in the kayak that day. And, um turns out that one of the first locations I took the button must have slipped in the rod and it collapsed a section. So there was about an acre that was four feet lower than everywhere else. And when you're designing a sewer treatment plant, the lowest spot is ideally the best that <laughs> you can kind of see where this is going. Yeah. Um, it was like, Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar redesign or ledge blast. I forget which route they ended up going um, because removing all that material, it was considered contaminated, so it was super expensive to blast down and get all that out of there. So I guess the one project that sticks out would be that, and you know, just being careful in what you do. And it could be a half a dozen topo shots that are just don't mean much to you that day, but. They can matter down the road, depending on
2: who's using it. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good story, and I think everybody has could. I think everybody could tell a story like that throughout their survey career. And uh, I mean, actually, kudos to you for being willing to share that. You know, as you probably have come across, surveyors in general are like so freaking prideful; they don't ever want to admit that they make a mistake. So Mm -hmm. it's cool that you mentioned that. And and actually, that's probably a good question. I should incorporate for future guests that have been doing this for a while, you know, because everybody has little stories, um, you know, in the back of their mind that they're never going to forget. And, you know, like you, you know, you had that experience. and I guarantee you as a result, you'll check, triple check things, you know, just to make sure something like that never happens again. So I told totally so It was
0: a $750,000 mistake. It was a, yeah, it was a three quarter million dollar mistake. I'm going
3: to be honest that that is chump change compared to you falling in that pond is where I well, thought, yeah,
0: <laughs> the funny thing is I was nervous. Um, you know, and another part of that plant and the lagoon, they were like, Oh, this, this lagoon has been abandoned for 20 years. You know, you're fine over there. So I was in, I put my waders on and I'm wading through this stuff. And when you start stirring it up um, it's not, it's, it's not fine. <laughs> it was, you know, <laughs> Um, I, that was a arguably one of my worst days survey and I got I was collapsing the rod and you guys all probably know have dealt with this but when you dip a structure and it's full of water when you collapse it water can come up on mm. the top Yep. so I got I washed my face with with uh, sewage that day and when well, the guy who works in the plant was like he was freaking out and pulled me in I had to hit one of those emergency eye wash stations and I didn't think it was a big deal but he was telling me all the stuff that can be carried in that water, and um, you know that was a big thing. I had to fill out at work, and nothing came wow. of it. I was fine. I mean, I I caught worse in college. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, right. For somebody like uh, for somebody like Big Shoes, that takes three showers a day. You just described his worst nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. Yep. Can. I was, yep. can, can I was can I can back pregnant. in the boat the next day. Well.
3: <laughs> I, I think I would probably quit when they said, you got to go out here. I'd be like, no, nope, you're going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to move on from this job. Yeah.
2: Right. Right.
0: Oh, that just sounds awful to me. It's crazy. It, was, it was one of my first like really large projects that I was crew chief in from start to finish. So I was all, they sent the perfect guy for the job. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You
3: were young and hungry.
0: I was, I was hungry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Way <laughs> I put it, I suppose. Those, well, now that you uh, say you you caught worse in college is
3: is the uh, the joke that we all caught and laughed at. But honestly, no. What what's the status of the Thompson School currently?
0: So the Thompson School, oh man, uh, it closed its doors. I want to say early 2019. They might have had one student go through there. It was it's the school has been dying for a long time. Bob Moynihan. He was my professor when I was there in 2008, 2009. Um, he retired shortly thereafter, um, and ever since then the program was slowly stepping down and um, kind of wearing out. So they closed their doors, and I guess this will spill into the next part of the bio. <laughs> um, you want to talk about the equipment and all that stuff now? Yeah, go for go it. Right Absolutely,
2: it. yeah. I want to get to that for sure.
0: So. When the Thompson School closed, um, the University of New Hampshire basically contacted the New Hampshire Land Surveyors Association and they said, hey, we have all this equipment up in the attic and down in these halls and rooms that we're throwing away next month if you guys don't get it out of here. So we organized with the young surveyors and a bunch of the professionals in the state that went through school there and we kind of cleaned everything out. We must have gotten about 80 instruments out of there. Well, none of them really. They're all transits and um, dumpy levels and that sort of thing. A ton of rods and just um, Bob Moynihan's complete teaching library, which I was most excited about because, you know, as a young professional, reading material is, you know, a surveying book is 100 bucks. Um, And the state of New Hampshire, when you prepare for your licensure exam, they give you a list of... 20 books and they say, you know, your test is going to be based on this and you'll look it up and to buy all those 20 books, it's like almost two grand. So when we found out that, you know, all this reading material and all these instruments are over at the T-School, a lot of the books we've taken and actually created a library for young surveyors in the state. Um, These are textbooks, but they also come with the um instructor's manual. So you could read the textbook and when you get to the question, try to work on the question and then have the answer. And I think that's the benefit because a lot of textbooks you buy online you don't you won't have the answers to. Um, and back to these the equipment of things, we've been starting to inventory the um, transits and dumpy levels that we found there. And you know the history end of things has just been, you know, for someone who's into surveying um, Really cool to be a part of. There's, you know, solid brass instruments that were dated like 1902, when um, there was some instruments there that were stamped by the U.S. Navy that were part of World War II. and um, we've been kind of categorizing all of those, and those instruments are going to be coming up for sale. So especially to your listeners, I know Kent can get in touch with me. Um, if anyone's in a collector of stuff like that, we have a large inventory of uh, collectibles that we're going to be getting rid of for relatively cheap. We don't know what to do with them. So
2: how are you going to go about selling them?
0: That's still kind of up in the air.
2: (laughs) you know, like, are you going to put them up on eBay or you got something else in mind?
0: We were, you know, I sold a GPS unit for the association on eBay, um, last December and was pretty blown away of eBay taking 10% and then PayPal dipping their fingers in there. And, um, I'd love to go a different route. Um, eBay would kind of be a last resort. Um, you know, I know there's some other websites out there where you could sell used equipment, stuff like that. I'm not super familiar. I have some in my notes from we've had meetings and people have given me some ideas on some places to go for that sort of thing. But, it's still up in the air.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just, like
0: if it's a reasonable price, we can just
3: go on sale. All to Ken grow. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: I, <know. laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, easy for you.
0: we have two storage <laughs> units full of oh transits and levels and like just crazy amount of things. I can send you guys some photos. of That
2: would be awesome.
0: Some of the stuff. It's just, it's, it blows me away.
2: It'd be like finding a buried treasure.
3: Well, you you got a whole big house and office to decorate once you get back to
2: it at least. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <One> <laughs> of Put these some days. up on a set of legs. Yeah, no doubt. So in the uh in the ten years you've been been doing this, um I mean I over the course of the ten years, I mean technology is changing so rapidly, you know, with the advent of drones and scanners and everything like that. I mean, what are what are what are some of the biggest changes or advancements that you've seen?
0: I think my age group is pretty fortunate because I started on a, Leica 705 and actually had to turn angles and sight angles. And I did that for a year. And I think some of the more experienced crews when I first started out, they just had a geotometer or like a very early Trimble um, 5603 maybe Mm -hmm. it's like the earlier stage robotics. And, um, you know, we moved into those and quickly got, all a, f- a fleet of s6s and s7s s8s and we're running full robots shortly thereafter but having the benefit to actually turn some angles and sight some angles and sight the plumb bob string when you're doing layout um is a, a technique that is is being lost yep. you know there's days in if you're doing construction layout there's heat waves i'm not trusting auto lock and mm-hmm. um I don't know if I'm trusting new instrument operators to turn the angle. So you're kind of up in the air about that. Um, I think robotics is um, a double-edged sword where they're essential to any surveying successful survey company nowadays, but at the same time they're ruining our our profession Uh, without having mentors and someone teaching you and going through those steps. You know, it's awfully handy right now to be able to go out and do a survey by yourself and social distance that's important too but i would say robotics i mean you can give the standard answers of scanners and drones and all that stuff that's exciting too and you know the sky's the limit when it comes to technology
2: yeah absolutely i mean you're speaking my language when you talk about how robotics have uh you know amazing technology no doubt about it but as a result um you know i think it's it's detrimental to the profession long-term just because for the exact reason that you mentioned, you know, you're going out with a one man crew and you know, the, uh, the mentoring has, has kind of dissipated for the most part. And, uh, you know, guys like yourself, I mean, you're very fortunate to have All had, you know, you're very fortunate to have had a mentor, um, that, that you worked under, you know, maybe a handful of mentors that you worked under when you are at your previous company and your current company, if that matter. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. So with, with that, let's kind of move into the, you know, the challenges that the profession is currently facing and the, the lack of mentorship is probably the biggest challenge, whether you want to, whether or not you want to blame that on technology or just the fact that, you know, a lot of surveyors that have a ton of knowledge and wisdom, unfortunately, are retiring or passing away or whatever, and you know, maybe haven't or didn't take the opportunity to pass that knowledge and wisdom down to the next generation of surveyors. Um, so it gets lost, quite honestly. And you know, that that's a huge concern of mine. Um, and I, I know you mentioned some things already that make that lead me to believe that you kind of feel the same way.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, and, you know, I, I should have checked on who told me this or actually looked it up, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it's 2020 and whatever I say is fact, right? Um, <laughs> but more surveyors died in New Hampshire in 2019 than got licensed. That's and crazy. That is kind of a mind-blowing thing when, when you look at it. There's a seems to be a pretty big disconnect from you know the older prof- the older professionals and the younger yeah. professionals and um, whether that's blamed on technology or mentorship like you said i don't really know the solution i think yeah. the yeah. young surveyor groups and the things that we're doing are certainly helping that uh, i know here in new hampshire our um, vice president for the association is an active member in the young surveyors um, they've been talking about nominating me for to move in towards um, vice president of the association. I mean, I go to all the executive committee meetings and update them on what the young surveyors are doing. And Mm. we seem really tight with our state association. I think that's the way it should be. Um, There is some disconnect when you get to the national level. um, It seems like the, the YSN, the young surveyors network seem to be trying to break away from NSPS in a certain way yeah, they go to the same meetings and are part of the same committees, but they try to run their own website and do their own uh, social media and that sort of thing. And yeah, that's great, but it doesn't really help the profession because what's going to happen to NSPS, you know, are these young professionals just going to jump ship and move over to NSPS one day or I don't, I don't understand how that's going to work. And that's a conversation I continue to have with um, James in Denver, who you guys have met. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been building a friendship and a relationship with them in the, the short time that I've known them. I've se- I feel like I've come on the scene relatively quickly and am now part of, you know, this group of people and it's, it's kind of nice. The surveyors that I've met through volunteering have um, really opened the door for me in my profession. And, you know, to shout out to any younger surveyor who's just listening to this, you just wake up and you go meet your crew chief and go out and shoot topo shots. Um, there's an association out there. There's a young surveyors group in your state out there. You should be getting involved and you know volunteer your time now when you're young and meet other professionals because it's going to help you tenfold. I, I, I know almost every surveyor in the state of New Hampshire now. And when I need a plan, I can just call up the young surveyor that works for their office and I have a plan within hours. Yeah. Um, not everybody gets to do that, especially if you don't meet people.
2: Yep. All good points. And uh, you know, I mean like a, a, a guy like yourself, I mean, being the age that you are having the passion that you do for the profession. Yeah. You, know, you guys are not only the future of the profession, but I mean, you can write your own ticket to be honest with you because there's so few, unfortunately, of, of folks, you know, whether it be guys, girls, what have you, um, in the, these, these young surveyor groups, whether it be the state-specific organization or at the SPS level, or whatever, That without them, I don't know what would happen to this profession in a matter of 10 years, to be honest with you. So you guys are so vitally important, and I'm sure there's days where you're like, oh my God, I'm just beating my head against the wall. You know, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Just can't give up man you just got to keep fighting that fight every single day and uh, overcoming those obstacles and you mentioned you know like james combs and you know denver winchester those guys are really good guys and you know it sounds like you've already been in touch with those guys as well and uh um, there's just you know there's power in in numbers and it, it sounds like you know you're working towards you know bringing all these different groups together and uh that that could be huge for the future of the profession so you know, kudos to you again, and great job for uh, for you know being assertive and, and having passion for something like that. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the um, I, I I just the that statistic about having more surveyors pass away than are newly licensed is unbelievable, and yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sure that's probably common in other states as well. And I, I, I'm going to go back and look in Arizona specifically because it's, it's probably the same here to be honest with you, but it's, yeah. it's really, really concerning.
0: It is. And it, it like, we only have, I think we have just over 300 active members in NHLSA. I um, you know we're a much smaller state, but granted, there may be a few surveyors that are not part of the association, but as a professional it would make sense to be part of your state association. In my mind, that's kind of a no brainer. So you say maybe 400. uh, And just not a lot of people are are getting licensed. And part of that is New Hampshire's fault because, you know, our state specific exam is more difficult in New Hampshire than any of our surrounding States. And they're, it's significantly different. Um, The application process is different. The exam format is different. Um, And that's not a bad thing. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that the exam should be easy. It should be a difficult exam, but I don't understand that someone can be in Maine and, you know, pass a Maine exam, but the same person with the same qualifications and same level of experience in New Hampshire can't pass a New Hampshire exam. Like just, they should be more universal across the board. And I really do like what NCES is doing with the um, exam models. And I would love to see states start adopting those because right now our state boards are having surveyors write educational exams and we're not educators. So to have NCES write an exam, it would be an educational exam in my mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All good points. What's, what are the, uh, and I know it's different at every state. Uh, what are the educational requirements in New Hampshire to become licensed? Um, there are not.
0: Oh really? Uh, yep. That's how no. it is in Arizona. Yeah. There's a, it's a, you know, your schooling will count towards years. I think you mm-hmm. have to have four years experience, yep. um, to sit for an exam. So I went for two years at the Thompson school and then worked two years, but hitting that four-year minimum that they put in our state requirements, you're not even close yeah. to to being approved. If I, if I went to school for two years and worked for two years and then compiled a portfolio for what I did for my first two years working and submitted it to the board of licensure, they'd laugh at me. Hmm. I was working for almost, like I said, I had about 10 years experience counting my schooling. So eight years working, two years in school, And, um, that was when I finally felt confident enough that I would have a portfolio to to sit for the exam. Um, and I feel like I'm an educated, I do a lot of reading. Like I'm a, I'm a survey geek. I'd like to spend a lot of time on these forms and speaking and volunteering my time and I can't pass the exam. You know, I failed it back in October and then you have to wait a full year to take it again.
2: No kidding. That's Um, ridiculous
0: it doesn't make sense to me you know you can go for an engineering exam and sit for it every three months um i don't get why it's discouraging for a surveyor to have to wait a year here we are as a profession fighting numbers and losing professionals to other professions and um we just seem to continue to make it more difficult to get our license so that's what I'm yeah
2: going with. yeah no i think it's a universal problem um you know kind of like you said just a couple minutes ago i, I I would like to see us, and I mean, it would take—I don't know what it would take—but to have some sort of universal requirement, you know, across the country. Um, I don't know how. I, not in my lifetime. That's probably not going to happen. I can tell you that. But it would be something that I think would be, um, you know, good to strive for, for sure. We're not going to move mountains, obviously. But I mean, some of the concerns that you just raised—very um, frustrating. That's very frustrating.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a ongoing discussion that we have with our state chapter of young surveyors because it takes people, you know, two or three times to pass the exam. And you know, that's three more years of experience. If it takes me three times, I'll be surveying for 12 years to get my license. There's no other greater right. profession that takes that long to become an entry level professional. Cause that's all, when you first get your license, you're an entry level professional. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, you know, you talk to someone who's been licensed for 30 years, they look back at a boundary plan that they did when they first got licensed and they say, man, what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. Our our licensure exams should reflect that and not reflect that you need the experience of surveying for 30 years.
2: Um, Yeah, I think the system could definitely use some tweaking for sure. No doubt about it. And I know, like, I I got licensed in Illinois originally, and back then Illinois did not require – any any uh, post-secondary education so it was more of a time thing so it took me like gosh eight years I think ultimately to be able to sit for the exam now in hindsight I wouldn't change it for anything just because it was a great experience but man, oh man um, now I believe Illinois does have a an education requirement I know they have a mentorship type program as well I want which, to on
0: that.
2: which I, uh, I, I again you know it's a great model to try to to replicate or whatever But yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know. Illinois has come a long way from when I got registered there to what they're doing now, and the the mentorship thing uh, is just a great idea.
0: I love the mentorship program, and I brought it up at our executive committee meeting because now that New Hampshire doesn't have a formal place to get education, I know UMaine has a survey program, and it's Mm -hmm. online. So we've been steering people up there. It's it's in Bangor, so it's only four hours, but. Um, With that being online, you know, sure, you can still get it. A mentor program in my eyes is tenfold of a four year degree. If you could go through almost an apprenticeship for four years and get an employer that supports, you know, because there is education involved with the mentorship program. They want to send you to seminars and you have to do certain things and they continue to learn, um, you know just personally speaking, I learned more in my first year of surveying than I did in the two years of schooling. And it's act it's technically three because I went for a third year of uh, business and got my associate's degree. And during that third year, I was a teacher assistant over at Thompson school. So I would grade homeworks and see how 20 students solve one problem and, you know, find out that there's different ways to get to the end result. But mentorship program.
2: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge believer, man. I, I would love to see more states adopt something like that. Um, Arizona, sounds like it's a lot like uh, New Hampshire I mean, there's no education requirement. Um, but whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. And um, I just, I just, I do wish that there was some sort of consistency from state to state. No doubt. The problem
3: with Arizona is we have like sales tax. They don't have that in New Hampshire. No sales
0: tax. No income tax either. Is that just right? Those, those random facts yeah. for it. Live, live, live for your die, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's on oh. the license plates. It's a state motto. Yeah. So you name it. Oh, we name funny. it. We don't have to wear seat belts. We don't have to wear helmets. Wow, I and, thought I thought
2: Arizona was kind of the wild wild west. Oh, don't <laughs> worry. There's
0: the liquor stores right off the freeways for you too. Yeah, you have your own exit just to the liquor store. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah
2: what's the, the uh ninety five where does uh ninety
0: five ninety three you know whatever <laughs>
2: <laughs> where does uh what, what what's where does marijuana stand in new hampshire
0: um well it's not recreational it's not. It's, it's decriminalized um maine vermont and mass are all recreational <clears throat> so it's only a matter of time but um Governor sununu keeps vetoing it mm. down they'll it'll get through eventually
2: yeah so what's, um, uh, what, what's keeping you motivated right now? What are you excited about next?
0: Well, I'm focusing on my licensure. Uh, that's kind of first and foremost for me, but again, it's just a time thing. Like with the one year wait period, I'm not going to, um, continue studying right now, not for that exam. I mean, I'll pick it back up in June and start reading again. I'm, don't know which book I'm reading right now. Some Browns are interpreting boundary law, but that just puts me to sleep after a page or two. Um, New Hampshire just came out with some new DES, Department of Environmental Service rules for wetland and shoreland permits. You guys probably don't have to deal with a lot of that stuff down in Arizona, Mm -hmm. but everyone trying to build a McMansion on the ocean that's all within the protective zone of shoreland. So it's a pretty involved process and I've been uh, my day to day right now is filling out a lot of those permits. So it's been a uh, fun to learn something new. It's a little different than survey, but surveyors fill them out. So it's uh, to be a nice tool to the, to the belt.
2: Yep. Do you guys do like uh, mortgage surveys out there?
0: Not really. I've, I've done one before, but yeah. it's not, They're not very common.
2: Yeah. When I was in Chicago, I mean, every single time there was a real estate transaction, there had to be at a minimum a mortgage survey done. So you had these small companies that were just making bank on just doing these mortgage surveys. They called them like, you know, drive by surveys or whatever, but you know, they would charge like whatever, three to $500 for these things. And their guys would be getting like four or five of these things done a day. So it was just like, it was a cash cow for these guys easy money no easy money yeah absolutely and i know i i I don't know how many states they do them in but um i was just curious if you guys did them out there
0: not very often we uh you know our seacoast is pretty well developed so it's you know there's a lot going on down there with construction and boundary just like everywhere else
2: sure absolutely
0: kind of the more usual stuff um i've been Staying focused on the the young surveyors group. I know this COVID-19 thing has kind of put a damper on everything and we're looking at hosting our first meeting on Zoom and Mm -hmm. um, teleconferencing Mm -hmm. in. So that'll be an interesting experience here within the the second week of April is when we have that meeting. Um, It's unfortunate because I would be down at the NSPS spring meeting. We were supposed to fly out tonight and that was gonna Mm -hmm. be down in um, Arlington. I was looking forward to seeing all those guys. That being canceled, that's kind of a downer. Yep. Um,
2: yep, for sure. I, I went out to the one, gosh, I know it was probably three, four years ago, and participated in the uh, the Hill Day when everybody yeah. kind of converged. Oh, man. That was such a great experience. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, I was on the fence. Uh, you know, John Chagnon, who's our director for New Hampshire, he was going to go to the Hill Day, and I was going to help out at the student competition. Mm-hmm. You know, my old professor, Bob Moynihan was going to be there so i was looking forward to seeing some of those people and it's kind of unfortunate that it's not going down
2: yeah yeah it really is it really is we were supposed to be in vegas this past weekend
3: geoholics were supposed to be on the strip yeah oh yeah. That fun.
2: <laughs> oh my god we had so we had, we had some great things lined up i mean it got rescheduled so hopefully it's all going to work out after all but
3: uh yeah. Oh, yeah. now it's on my birthday boys. so it's going to be trouble
2: yeah any time a trip to Vegas gets canceled, it's a bad thing. Yeah, uh, it's, only,
3: it's only temporary. It's rescheduled.
2: I've mm-hmm. only
0: been there once, and uh, it was for a wedding.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, 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 they happen there a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an interesting place.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, no doubt.
3: All this talk of the young surveyors and all this, you're still a, a relatively young man. Jeez, um, my just non nonstop today. Popular. I know, I can't help myself. Okay, so as I was saying, you younger man, what do you wish you could tell yourself now when you were younger, you know, that whole 10 years ago or so?
0: You know, it's funny because I filled out all of these questions. I looked at that one. I was like, I don't really have an answer and it's blank. Uh, i believed Um, in you i thought you would come up with something come up with something good i have a pretty good mantra if you wanted to skip to that oh no oh
3: we'll get there oh we'll get there all right
0: so tell myself when i was younger um i'd probably try to tell myself to be more professional and i was told that for years and years and years of bosses my my first boss would tell me that on a weekly basis and I was just a field guy and that that was it. It wasn't until maybe a year or two ago that I actually started dressing more professionally and you know conducting myself more professionally and it uh it's gone a long way. So if I guess if I told myself that I might listen to myself. I don't know. I'd probably just tell him to screw off too.
3: I thought you were just going to say something like, go put a bunch of money on the 2004 socks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would actually be a better answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Honestly, but, though, I mean, to dig a little deeper into that. That's a great answer. I mean, if you, you know, surveyors want to be looked at as professionals, right? If we dress like freaking hillbillies, there's no way in hell we're going to be considered professionals. So to to dress... Like, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know like, you know, you meet people for the first time and they're like, what do you do? What do you do? You know, when you tell somebody you're a land surveyor, it's like, okay, what is that? You know, most people have no freaking idea, you know, and if you're at the same time, you're having this conversation, you're dressed in freaking overalls and your hats turned sideways. And, you know, I mean, that's a huge problem we have, you know, and I, I see it all the time. Um, we have to be more professional period.
0: Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it's, it's your first impression. So if you're, I mean, we don't need to wear business suits. No, I would say on a day to day, you don't even have to wear a tie. I have one special tie that I wear to planning board meetings and I've yet to lose a planning board meeting wearing that tie. So I'm going to continue to do that. Hopefully it lasts throughout my career. We'll see. But if you're wearing the collared shirt and you have pants that don't have mustard stains on them, you're already above the other guy. And, um, even if, you know, down the road, if your price is a little higher, but you conduct yourself in a professional manner, you're going to get the job over the guy that's a little cheaper. Um, Absolutely. and that's, that is what it is. And people don't, people take that for granted. Do you have the tie that
3: looks like uh, the rod? Uh, should I want that tie so bad? Oh, I do too. Yeah.
2: yeah. I've seen it uh, online. I'm nerds. like, I gotta, I gotta figure yeah. out where to get that.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get my hands on that for sure. And that'll, that'll be the new tie. Once I get a project, you know, yeah. Shut down. But until then.
2: Yeah. But uh, again, you nailed something on the head there. And I, I, I do it all the time. If you present yourself as a professional and you build value by, you know, providing knowledge and maybe possible solutions, how to do, do things better, uh, and maybe for less money, for that matter. I mean, that goes so far with the type of clients that you actually want to work for. You know, you're going to have all those clients out there that are just looking for the cheapest guy. You don't want to work for those guys, anyways.
0: They're going to look for the cheapest guys, anyways.
2: So. No matter what. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So the whole professionalism thing goes a long way with quality clients. No doubt I about like it. Feel like we've
3: built up this uh, build it up long enough.
0: Let's let's hear the mantra. The mantra. So anything that happens, <laughs> anything that happens in time will pass because time passes.
2: I like it. Oh,
0: I felt I felt like that one was
3: planned so well. <laughs> we this guy on at this appropriate time in history just for that mantra. Hey,
0: and you know I didn't pick this one out for that episode. I actually have this in a sign in my house. You know this has been a thing for a while. Okay. Um, I'll believe you. Yeah, yeah, I mean I can take the <laughs> laptop downstairs, I'll show you, but you know, it's just don't get caught up in having a bad day. Everyone has a shitty day at work and you know you go home yep. and you let that spill into something else and you know, it's just there's a domino effect there. Kind of live live from live from your mistakes. No, that's not right. Learn from your mistakes.
2: That's a good You're one. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I just know if we, if Kent or I have a bad day, we just call Jake and it makes it all better. Yeah. Jake's yeah. been awfully quiet over there.
2: <laughs> Jake's like, he's, I could see him. He's like sitting back, back on the relaxing. couch. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I had to move over to the couch, kick my feet up a little bit.
0: Well, you an episode of Ozark while we talk. Yeah. yeah right. the thing is
3: really killing him.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Tiger King. Um, so what else? Is there something we haven't talked about that uh, you want to make sure we touch on? Um. I
0: mean, no, I guess we can go back to talking about the, the Young Surveyors Committee in New Hampshire. That's all kind of boring, redundant stuff.
2: You want to talk about CrossFit, don't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, naturally. I was like, if you say that, <laughs> did a hell of a workout before this. So, uh, I, I,
2: I used to work with this guy that, I mean, he's, he's a huge CrossFit guy. And uh, like, he would travel around doing all these competitions and stuff like that. Are, are you into it at that level?
0: we've we've done some competitions um i kind of got to the the point of my crossfit career where we were winning all these scaled competitions and we could no longer we got the talking of you can't do scaled you have to do an rx competition now Hmm. things have kind of died down from there because i'm not at that level um you know those guys are not enjoying a social beer and not eating ice cream cake um I still like to partake in those activities yeah. So it's more of a lifestyle for me. I, it was funny cause I had an instrument operator, um, who did CrossFit for probably about a year before I started. And I used to rag on him all the time about CrossFit. And then I noticed like one day we'd be hiking the power line, you know, doing some stuff and I'm sitting there and, you know, not really needing to take a break, but kind of like taking a break and he's off and he's still going, chugging through. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to fucking give CrossFit a try. And you know, here I am six years later. And uh, it's just, it's part of my life. It's, it's funny when we were down at the fall NSPS meeting and all those guys just giving me shit.
2: <laughs> what do you, what do you think it is? Like, what about CrossFit is addicting? Is it just something different all the time? So it kind of, keeps people interested. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that do it. I, I personally, it's not for me, but whatever. Um, but it's apparently addicting once you, once you start, there's something about it.
0: Yeah. If you, you know, if you were like me, like I can't go to plant fitness and actually get in shape. Um, I tried, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't where I wanted to be physically. I was getting a beer belly and I was, you know, getting a little soft and, Um, I needed to do something. So I joined the gym and it wasn't really working out. So I decided to join CrossFit. And Literally the the hardest part about CrossFit is showing up to CrossFit. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but once you get into the class, especially being a, like a, just a naturally competitive person, you're not surrounded by all these top athletes. I mean, you'll go to your first class and you're not going to be the worst one in the building. Um, You know, there's, grandmas in there doing this stuff it's it's a it's a lifestyle thing and so you'll find other people that you kind of match up with and then you it's it's a competitive atmosphere and you know you can have that and yeah each class is different and then eventually you'll start realizing stuff like when i kicked up into my first handstand like wow that's so rewarding you know when you get your first strict pull-up you know that's it's really rewarding and you end up leaving the gym with all these PRs, you know, a personal record, um, you know, day in and day out, especially your first year, it's just, you'd never leave there in a bad mood. Hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of speaks for itself. You could have the worst day of work in the world and you go there and you're just around these people. And I've heard some communities are better than others. And I'm fortunate to be part of a, a really strong, um, community that, uh, Ever-proven CrossFit free plug. Don't get used to it. I wanted to say that so bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we have a really good community over there, and uh, I never leave there upset. It kind of just takes the worries away, and then I come home and it's dinner. My wife does it as well, so it's a nice. Uh, we spend some time together, but at the same time, we're with our own friends, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I think around,
3: that-, that sounds amazing. Well, stick with that beer belly and soft. Person.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, if you, you gotta, you have to commit for, for six months. I mean, the first month you're not going to have a clue what's going on. It's going to be like the first day on a job. There's abbreviations and they cut everything down because they're trying to write the workout on the small little whiteboard. And you know, you don't understand what anything means and you're going to be confused and you're not going to know what you're doing. Um, but give it six months and get into the swing of things and um, just start watching your body change, you know, take a picture of yourself before you go for your first day and then take a picture of yourself in six months and you're going to continue to go. I
2: promise you that. Yeah, that's awesome. Good plug for uh, CrossFit there, man. It. <laughs> we got it in. We got it in. We got it in. All right. Uh, unless you guys got anything else. Let's uh, let's wrap this sucker up.
0: Put a bow on it boys
2: all right really yeah guys good.
0: thanks for having me you guys are uh you guys are doing some great things you know i was fortunate enough to be on the the surveyor says podcast with uh, tim birch there and cool. um, that's a great experience but then coming over here and, and chatting with you guys and you know i told my wife i was like i ah, can't wait to have a beer you know sit and chat with them
2: yeah uh, that's it's awesome, a
0: little man. different over here yeah yeah it was a lot of fun <laughs>
2: Really cool. Thanks again, Eric, for being here. And, uh, you know, we'll be in touch of course, and good luck with your, your future endeavors and just, you know, keep the faith. And again, you know, I can't, can't, you know, thank you enough for your commitment to young surveyors and, uh, and promoting that. So it's a huge thing. And, uh, Kent,
0: I'll get you the young surveyors email address. If any of the listeners are collectors of old antique instruments. Um I would love to do these sales privately and not lose a ton of money to eBay. Um you know, so if anyone's interested in that stuff, let me know.
2: Yeah. No, I definitely think we can help you out with that. So I look forward to it. All right. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks again to uh COVID 19 for social distancing. (laughs) That felt so wrong. This uh I it's I I I enjoy it. I really do. I mean it's uh even though we're not you know in person it's still fun i still have a blast with it so i well, i just uh,
3: miss you guys i'm not gonna lie i i know Eric was gonna be a remote here, here
2: here's Eric. a virtual here's a virtual hug is there no hug. i only like <laughs> the real
3: thing
0: <laughs>
3: hey big I shoots like i can take my stuff.
0: shirt off for you
3: yes oh there you
0: God. go now now we're just getting
2: <laughs> inappropriate
3: but
0: I like, do i have
2: to tamper something on this? <laughs> only if you have a survey tattoo under there oh, oh wow. actually
0: i got a good one oh, what I do have a compass. Oh, look at that. little <laughs> coastline
2: of New Hampshire right there. I love it. Oh, that's awesome.
3: That, that is a lifer right there. Bro. Oh yeah.
0: Oh. on the map.
2: <laughs> that is awesome. All right. You well, see okay. those okay. next the, the guys have like the Trimble robots. I know. On their legs? I love <laughs> yeah, it. I love it. It's them. great. It's great. Some of them are pretty amazing. Some are like, oh, I don't know about that, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> They're all great. Keep right. it up, guys. Yep, so next yep. time we're on the East coast, we just look up, we can stay at Eric's house.
0: Oh yeah, you
3: guys—you guys can drop in whenever you want. Yeah. I told you, my mother lives there. You might—I uh, might actually take you up on this offer. Don't be offering something that you. Let's let's
0: do it later. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll give it here. We can go. I'll make you do a
2: CrossFit
3: workout. Uh, never mind. You talk <laughs> to me.
0: <bro>. I'm
3: out.
2: <laughs> oh man, oh man. So keep in mind, there's got to be a uh, there. Ha- there can't be a travel ban when that happens.
3: Uh, yeah. So so maybe next time in the next decade, I'll be there.
0: Yeah, well, it's essential, so let's go. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Well,
2: thanks again, Eric. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you.
0: All right. Have a good night, boys.
2: Yep. You as well. For those of you out there, make sure you check us out at geoholics.com Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn by searching for the geoholics Download all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Email Don't us. Don't
3: forget at, about our app.
2: Son of a. We Every have a, time. The geoholics app is downloadable from landsurveyorsunited.com. So make sure you check that out as well. Email us at info at If you're interested in being a guest or a friend of the program, we're booking into mid-May right now. So we'd love to have you on if you're interested in sharing your story. And let's have the Outlaw In-Laws take us out with just another Outlaw. Of course, it's available on Spotify, Apple Music. Be sure to check out the videos on YouTube, follow their Facebook page, support local, and most importantly, it safe and healthy anyway.
3: Shelter in place, boys.
2: Thanks again to our friends of the program. Please be sure to check out Land Surveyors United at landsurveyorsunited.com, Unifly at unifly.arrow, badelf at bad-elf.com, and Parkland College at parkland.edu forward slash surveying.